0: and I hope you'll be inspired to write, because as I always say, you have a story. You should write it down. This is Pencils and Lipstick. Welcome back, everyone, to Pencils and Lipstick. I'm excited to have Mary Adkins with me, whom I've heard a couple things about, and I think I've even heard her speak before, but she is an author, a novelist, and the founder of the book Incubator, so I'm excited to have her on. Thanks, Mary, for coming. Thanks for having me, Kat. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm glad to have you. I think during COVID I heard you speak. It was like COVID's like this nebulous time, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. You're like, I think I did, but I don't remember. I'm pretty <laughs> sure. Um it,
0: I think it was about when Palm Beach, your third novel, was coming oh, out. Oh, cool. It was like, I would love to have her on. And you know, life gets um busy. So I'm glad we've connected. This is exciting to. Um, You have such an incredible story to talk about. So let's let you introduce yourself a little bit to people about who Mary Atkins is, and then we'll get in deeper.
1: Sounds great. So I um, am a novelist. I've published three novels. My first one was called When You Read This, and my second one was Privilege, and my third one was Palm Beach. Two of those came out during the pandemic, (laughs) so not a great time to launch a book, but um, I did my best. And I live in Dallas with my I just moved. I was living in Nashville, but I literally moved a month ago. So brand new, brand new to Dallas, Texas. Great for having just moved. Oh my gosh. You're seeing the part that looks good. (laughs) Like should I pivot the camera? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. No, you're right. The whole thing looks just like this. Um, and I have a five-year-old son, um, and I live with here with, with him and my husband. And what oh, and I teach writing, of course. Um, I I work with novelists to finish their novels through a program that I started a couple of years ago, called the Book Incubator. That's awesome. So that's who I am now. <laughs>
0: that's who you are now. But you started out as a lawyer, did you not? I did. Yeah.
1: So what made you?
0: I mean, did you get to practicing law, or were you like burnt out by the time you you finished
1: all those years, or what happened? So I think. Okay. I'm going to, I want to back up a little bit even farther Hmm. because I wanted to be like many writers. I think I, I loved writing since I was a little girl, since like 12 years old is when I remember starting to tell people that I wanted to be an author. Like I wanted to write books. Yeah. And so when I got to college, it was like, yeah, I'm going to be, I even remember when I applied to college, I um, applied to a bunch of like creative writing scholarships. Like I was just like very into, I was like, that's what I am. I'm going to write. And so when I got to college, I signed up for a creative writing class and I was so excited about it. It was a short fiction class and it totally gutted me. It was oh, no. like, it was the worst creative writing class experience I ever had. <laughs> I got B minuses on my stories. I, which at, just to be clear, that was like a very low grade at my college. Cause we had crazy grade inflation. so. B minus was like not good. <laughs> yeah. Especially with um, something creative. You feel like it should all be. <laughs> yes. And I, I just left that class so yeah. deflated, like to the point that was the only creative writing class I took in college. I didn't sign up for any more after that. Cause I was so, mm. I was like, I guess I just can't do that well. So going to walk away from that. Um, right. you know, it was, I think it was partly like a very natural response and partly, right. partly, you know, fraud syndrome, imposter syndrome, and just being like, sure. I'm not, I can't keep putting myself out there. I'm embarrassed kind of, right. you know, cause, um, cause I was used used to being a good student. Like I, I could usually figure my way out in most classes Right or I avoided those classes, (laughs) so this became right. And like our grade system is what gives you validation, right? I mean, yes, what they teach us (laughs) exactly. And so it was like, well, if I'm not good at that, I'll just avoid that. So I ended up, I majored in public policy long story short, applied to law school, went to law school. I'm like, I'll just go this route. Cause that was like where the application was. I was like good at that stuff. Yeah. I could like get A's. It was like, I'm just going to do that. And so I went to law school, law school was fine. I liked it. Cause I kind of, I liked being in school and I liked mm-hmm. my friends. Um, but the, di- like as soon as I got out of law school and started a job as a lawyer, it was like, what am I doing? (laughs) Like, it was like, I had landed in the real world and it was not what I had ever thought. I think I had just never truly known what a lawyer did. I mean, like law school was interesting and like reading cases and talking about them, you know, you were in a classroom. It was like, this is interesting, but I think I just never really got, I, I think I was never truly understanding of what a lawyer is and it turns out I didn't like it (laughs) It it's not
0: I mean a lot of it's like corporate in an office trying to figure out what laws I mean I'm I'm not a lawyer but most of my friends are like yeah I'm just figuring out tax laws for this company (laughs) like that doesn't sound interesting I'm
1: sorry (laughs) no and it's um I was in litigation, which is like the antagonistic kind of law. So it was like, you know, representing this side. And we would like talk about the other side as if they were jerks or something, which was weird when they were banks. Like the whole thing was just so strange. It was like, I don't, I, my, I cannot get my heart into any of this. This all just feels like just a way people are making money. (laughs) <laughs> which is great, which if for them, but it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't a good fit for me. And I also think the reason I, a large reason I felt this way is because I like that 12 year old was still in me. Like I still yeah. wanted to be a writer and I had just avoid managed to avoid it for like you kept yourself for 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping myself busy. And if I felt like she started screaming, like once I was in a law office, I felt like my internal creative kid was like, what are you doing? You, uh, you want to write, you should be writing yeah. stuff. And so I tried to write, I'm like, okay, well I'll just write in the mornings before work and at night after work. And it just like, like my, a book or just like, or just, just anything creative. Anything. Cause I hadn't written creative in a while. I was like, okay. I just want to like come back to that. And so I did start to do some of that, but my job was so all consuming that I didn't have very much time. And so it didn't take me very long to realize, like, I don't think I can stay in this job. So I started applying for jobs that would, well, this makes it sound better than it was. I was actually much more reckless. I called my parents, I'm like, I'm quitting. And my dad's like, please have another job first. He's like, I don't care if you are a barista. (laughs) He's like, go get a job at Starbucks. Just please have a job before you quit this job. I was like, fine, deal. So I waited until I applied to a ton of jobs and finally I got this tutoring job. I'm like, great, I have a job. I can quit. (laughs) So I started tutoring and quit my job right away, my my law job. And the tutoring job turned out to be perfect because Mm -hmm. I just tutored people for like a few hours a day and then and you know, it added up, but like tutoring, you know, tutoring, you kind of tutor on other people's schedules which tends to be evenings. So I would like work a lot of times at night, which meant I have a ton of time during the day to write. And that was when I really got to start focusing on my writing. Um, I do want to say, sorry, I get, I, I get a little carried away talking about all this. So (laughs) it's been a long time on my story, but like, That like my internal fraud syndrome around writing fiction, though, that had not changed. So I was, I was like writing creatively, but I really I had so ingrained from that college creative writing class that I couldn't write fiction that I was only writing nonfiction. I was like, I'll write personal Um, essays and I'll write humor about from my real life, but I'm not a fiction writer because I learned that in college. Can't do that. We'll never try that again. So I wrote I wrote a proposal for a memoir. Mm. that I started submitting to literary agents because someone had told me like, this is how you get published. You have to get a literary agent. I'm like, okay, I'll just do what everyone's telling me to do. (laughs) So I was sending that out and they were saying no, but one agent said, he goes, no, I can't sell this, but I like your writing. What else do you have? Do you have a novel? And I did not have a novel, of course, but I had had a novel idea. And I was like, I don't have a novel, but here's an idea that I had for a novel that I was thinking of writing, which isn't true. I wasn't thinking of writing it because I didn't trust myself, but I would like, you know, I had this person's attention yeah, you and I'm like- <laughs> You got to answer. <laughs> right. And so anyway, he wrote back, um, that sounds that sounds really great or something. Like that sounds fascinating. Write that and then send it to me. That's what he said. Write the novel and send it to me. And that I am, this person never became my literary agent, but I am like, I think ultimately he ended up ghosting me later when I did write the novel <laughs> but I'm still so grateful to him because Mm. he gave me permission. That's the only reason I ever started writing fiction. Cause this person said, write that and send it to me. So in my head, it was like, he was waiting for it, which of course he wasn't like, he was, I'm sure moving on and doing other things, but I was like, Oh, this person is waiting for something and said, it was a good idea. So now I'm going to do it. Do you think that gave you like a deadline too, of like, I got to figure this out. Yeah, cuz I didn't want, you know, I didn't want too much time to pass. So it was like right. I'm going to I'm going to knock this thing out. So I became obsessed I I just like became obsessed with getting this novel down. And ultimately it became that was my first novel. That became oh, my first awesome. novel. Yeah.
0: Oh, that's awesome. So you have um you have three novels out. So tell us a little about, about each, because they, are they standalones? You, do you write in
1: series or standalone? They're standalone. They're all standalone. Yeah. Okay. So they are, they're contemporary fiction and they're all different. So the first one is it opens, um, the, the main character has already died and she has left behind, um, a printout of a blog that she wrote in her final few months that okay. she wants, she, she left it behind with her boss. who is also a good friend of hers asking him to try to get it published. So it's the story of him trying to get this thing published that she left behind. And we also read her, her blog as part of right. it. So it's sort of like a, a book in, within a book. Oh, that's cool. Um, so we get to know her after she's gone. Yeah. And we kind of see how she left some little Easter eggs behind for the people that she loved. So it's kind of that that's the style of that one. The second novel is, um, a sexual assault on a college campus, a Southern college campus. And in the wake of this assault, um, the victim initiates a judicial proceeding at, at the university. It does not go her way. So Mm -hmm. then the second half of the book is really about like, how do you find justice or how do you recover your power when you, you don't have it? Like it's been taken from you. And that's a pretty heavy topic. Like, was that hard? That was, that's the heaviest, I would say, of the three books. Um, Yeah. Like I I would definitely say that one is. And then the third one is called Palm Beach. And that second one, by the way, is called Privilege. Mm The third one, Palm Beach is set in Palm Beach, Florida, and it's about a young couple that moves from New York to Florida when, um, half of the couple, the husband gets offered a position running the household for this billionaire in Palm Beach. So these, this young couple's lives get, um, sort of enmeshed in the lives of this billionaire family and things go south. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would imagine that. Like, yeah, always got to go south. That's the energy. Got to go south. (laughs) Got to go south. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So you were, you know, you were, you were talking about how, with the memoir idea, you were trying to push it out to traditional
1: to get an agent. I guess. So did you decide to go traditional? I did for all three of my novels. Yeah. So my publisher for those for my three novels was Harper Collins. Same publisher.
0: Okay. Cool. um,
1: For all three. Oh, that's awesome.
0: So is that like the agent route like you have to find an agent and then they sell it to Harper Collins and
1: it is. Yeah, it was it was definitely um I'm looking back, I have no regrets about going that mm. route. I think I didn't I also like didn't even know there were other routes though. <laughs> right. So like it worked out well for me, but like right. I if it hadn't, I think it would have been helpful for me to know like, oh, but this isn't the only, you didn't have to go this way. You didn't, because it took me six years to get a literary agent. Like I was querying literary agents for that long um, before signing with with mine. So like it, it was long, it was yeah. a long road.
0: Did you keep writing the other books like while you were querying? So did you have like, cause your last two came out pretty quickly, like pretty. Yes, exactly.
1: Like the three, my three books came out three years in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Right. And so so sometimes people are like, you write so fast. I'm like, no, I don't. (laughs) I've been working on these a long time. (laughs) I mean, the, the third one, the third one I wrote pretty quickly, but the first, the first one I was writing and rewriting for like seven years the second one, several years. Um, because exactly. I was like working on the, the second one while it was querying the first one. one. Okay. Yeah.
0: And then how did you, so you're a lawyer, you're like licensed as this lawyer and you decided to become a novelist because a guy told you that you should, which I think is great. <laughs> <laughs> but like, was it difficult to, I mean, you know, there's a lot to learn. So like, sometimes people are just really intuitive and they can write out the novel and it's, there isn't that much to change about it. And then there are those of us like me who you write a novel and then you realize like you should actually learn some things. <laughs> yes, so, exactly. How was that journey? And like, from being a lawyer to like, I'm writing a whole novel, like a thousand right. words, if not more, like that's a lot.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, I took a bajillion writing classes and so I definitely was like, I need to educate myself in this. And I always liked school anyway. So like I loved taking classes, Um, but I also think, I don't know, I've been thinking about this lately because I've been having ideas for my fourth novel Mm. and I'm almost, I'm almost finding it, this one, the hardest one to start. Mm -hmm. And like, and I've been thinking about how there was something beautiful about being kind of cavalier in my early writing days and being like, how hard can this be? You know, (laughs) I was just talking about
0: that to a friend of mine. Um, We're both on our fourth, fifth novel and. I find it harder to. I don't know if it's the expectations people have or the expectations you have on yourself or the like, I don't know what it
1: is. (laughs) Interesting. So you relate. You relate to that. Yes, I completely relate. Like,
0: yes, I don't, I think I agonize more. And I was telling her, I was like, I wish I could go back to that. I'm writing a book and I don't know what tropes are and I don't know what (laughs) structure. Yes. Right. I kind of know what dialogue tags are. So, Yeah, and how to indent a paragraph. But other than that, it was like whatever came to my head. Of course, that came with problems.
1: You know, like yes, it did. Editing. (laughs) It came. It came with problems. Like yeah, like oh, writing a really messy first draft where I didn't know anything, and then having to rewrite it over and over again. But yeah, there was also something really beautiful about like the innocence of being like oh, I just have to hit a word count. Like, I I mean, I wasn't quite that naive, but it was close. I was close to that. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to figure out if it was easier
0: to like delete 40,000 words of my way overwritten novel, or if it's easier now of like, no, let's not, let's try to not overwrite cat. Let's, let's try to stay in the yeah. line. And then, like, I don't know. I can't, decide. that's such a
1: good question. Right. Like, yeah, it's almost that like, I wonder too, if there's part of it that now, once we've been through it a few times and we kind of know what the end kind of final polished product is, you're like looking for ways of maybe getting there faster this time. Oh, true. <laughs> when really we, maybe we just need to like be a little bit more humble and be like, we just like the first draft will be bad. <laughs> Even yes. though we've done this several times before, like just let, so it, let it, let it be say, bad. Though. So it's easy, so to, easy say. to say and
0: you say it to all your students and then you're like, no, but mine should be better. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, that too. And maybe that's it too. You're like, that's actually, I feel like you just nailed a lot of it for me because you're like, well, yeah, yours can be bad. Cause like you're new to this, but my yeah. first one is yeah. supposed to be good. Cause I'm supposed to be the expert. <laughs> true like, so true it's it's a lot silly. of self-imposed pressure I think because I'm not yeah. sure anyone
0: really expects that um but yeah I have to be careful too not to look at other people and be like gosh you write fast I'm just <laughs> right <laughs> because like you I'm a mom so, so like I started writing when my when I had a newborn and you did as well right yes but we're we're <laughs> I don't know. We're either insane or, or yeah. smart. I'm not
1: sure. Or brilliant. <laughs> yes. No, my husband would say it was brilliant. We're brilliant. We're totally brilliant. So like what <laughs>
0: was that just like a coincidence of time? Like you were pregnant and this guy tells you, gives you permission to start writing. Um, but like what was that like to realize? I mean, pregnancy wise, if you don't feel sick, like you can keep writing, right? But then this little thing comes along and it expects you to, like, yeah. take care of it all the time.
1: Yeah. Writing with a newborn. Well, I, ha- I got a book deal right when I had a baby. So then I had to write the book, was the oh, idea. Yeah. So then I. So you sold it before. It I would- sold it because it, this was actually my second one that That's I wrote a lot with a of newborn. Pressure. So I I felt like I had no choice. But I also because my husband, we were recently talking about this. He was like, I really feel like that was the best thing that ever happened to you. I mean, at the time it was it was a lot of pressure and it felt really kind of stressful. But looking back, I think he's onto something because it does feel like it would get me out of the house, which meant I had to like put on clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Which meant I had to like think about something other than just keeping my little baby alive or how little sleep I had had or like, right. Like it, it forced me to use my brain. And I don't know, I think it might've been really good for me. It felt like complete chaos. Like it felt, it felt just crazy, but I, I don't know that it was a bad thing. It didn't, I and I never felt, I still loved writing. Mm -hmm. Like it was harder because I was tired and I was like, right hormonal and all like those things, it. but I didn't, ha- you know, I, I feel like I always felt like a little bit charged by it. It's like, Oh, yeah. that was, that was actually kind of nice to like get away, you know, which I think would have been like, I never would have just, I mean, I just know my personality, like I wouldn't have justified like, Oh, I need to go take two hours to like read a book or get a massage. Like I just wouldn't have done that probably. Because it would have felt selfish or something stupid. Right. I mean, it would because, have been a good idea for women. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But and we with this, always think because- it's selfish. Yeah. This felt like work. Like I had to do work right. so right. I could justify it to myself. Right. You didn't really what about you didn't you? have to like justify it to
0: anyone else, honestly. Like it's. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's nice. Actually. That's very cool. But then do you think that led you to like this whole philosophy of like carving out time for your creative self that you teach your students?
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because I I think the cool thing that I discovered through that, I mean, the, the other piece of, of pressure for me during that period was I had, my husband had gone back to school. So I was, I had a full-time job so that we could get health benefits so that I could have a baby. So I had a maternity leave mm. and I was like, I don't think I can write a book and be in a full-time job and have a newborn. So I have to write this book on my maternity leave. So okay. like I gave, I gave myself that deadline. I was like, you, yeah, you have 10 weeks. By the end of this 10 weeks, you will have written this draft. Um, And so but I couldn't write for more than a couple of hours a day tops because I mean, and usually, honestly, not even that like hour and a half, maybe because I was nursing. I was tired. We didn't mm-hmm. have, we didn't have, I mean, we had childcare in this. sense, like my husband would watch him a little bit. My mom was right. in town for some of those weeks and she right. would help out. But other than that, right. we didn't. So. Not like You had eight hours of child free. No, Exactly. So I, but I think the thing that I learned through that, that was cool was that like, I wrote a draft, like I wrote a draft of my book in 10 weeks in like a little over an hour a day. And it was like, okay, that's doable. Like that's not, I just didn't know that was possible until I did it. And that was really empowering. So that's, yeah. So I explain that to people now, like you don't have to overhaul, like a book sounds like such a big thing where are like, well, I'll probably have to like take a leave from my job. And it's like, I mean, you could do that, but you may also just have to find like a little bit of time every day or like, or like a few hours a week total, right? right? Okay. You can actually make good progress. So do you
0: teach your students in the book incubator to outline, um, or to, Like, do you have a certain way that they, that you think is the best way for them to do it? Or do you just sort of work around what their creative process is? I
1: I teach them my creative process, which is not outlining and then help them find what's best for them. Okay. That's cool. So you don't outline? No. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I do have some tools that I use. Like something called the big question where you think of like, what is the big question that your story is going to explore and like a story destination, like you're writing towards some, something that's going to happen. What is that thing going to be? And it doesn't have to be at the end, but like, just have something in mind. And then we talk about characters having unfulfilled wants, Mm -hmm. like there are things that we're working with, but it's not an outline.
0: Okay. Um, Because one of my questions that I always philosophize with my writer friends is like I'm not sure it's so much the outline because an mm-hmm. outline can be good on one hand but it's also the thinking like an outline of like what's gonna happen sure like and some of your questions are probably like that like going towards a, a moment you know that's sort of gonna bring everyone together or like the realization or something something like yes. that it's good yes. to have that there but like I'm almost convinced that it's the thinking about your book more than everything else that will
1: help you write. I don't know what you think about that. I love that. So you mean just like kind of getting obsessed with it in your head so that it's just what (laughs) it's like where your brain goes. Yes. Yes. Like, because
0: otherwise, I don't know about you, but when the years that get really chaotic, like we moved 20 in 2020, I was re-editing a book of course, it got, took longer than it should. So we're like moving, looking for a new place to live, all that stuff. It's a pandemic. Three kids on Zoom is what's insane. Oh my so I was distracted. <laughs> so I was thinking back of like, why did it take so much to edit that? And like, there would be pieces that didn't make sense. And my editor would be like, what is this? <laughs> you
1: know, like, mm-hmm. And I
0: would just like, I wonder if it's because I wasn't present
1: in the book. Yeah. You know? Yes, I completely agree. And I inversely too. I love when, like, I just had this idea for a new novel and it's that fun thing where you like, like it becomes the default that your brain goes to instead of like, what color rug should I get in my living room? (laughs) Now it's right where you could, you're like, what should be her motivation? Why is she doing that? But why right. did she marry him in the first place? Like you get to just like right. mull over those things. Yes. And I love that. That's like my, when it's like this private puzzle that you're doing in your mind. Yes. yes.
0: And I think that should count as your writing time.
1: You know, yeah. like I think, you know, I
0: mean, you don't want to elongate that too much to not get words on the page, but like it's good to know that stuff because I've worked with students who don't know that stuff and then they finish the novel and they still haven't answered any questions because they never asked any in the beginning.
1: Right. No, that's a great point. And maybe that is, that is also playing into what we talked about earlier, mm-hmm. like your fourth or fifth book being, being one that's hard. Cause you kind of know like, okay, I, there are some things that will make actually writing this better and easier. If I can like, right. if I, if I can like figure them out now, like, what is this character's motivation? Like what, what's actually going on here? Let me figure that out first. Yeah. Like
0: that's a great scene to think of at 11 PM at night, but what are they doing? (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) exactly. Exactly.
0: real angsty there, but I don't know. So within your, um, the book incubator, is there like, do, do people have to come already with a book, like already with a draft or like, how does
1: it, how do people approach you and and be part of this? So pretty much everybody comes with an idea because it's an application based program. So okay. people do have to apply and it's okay. not that they, they don't have to send a writing sample or anything. It's much more just kind of, you know, we just like want to make sure we're curating our community so people yeah. are like serious writers. Okay. Um, so people will say or we basically say what's your what's your book idea and like what are you hoping to get out of a writing program just to make sure it's a good fit. Hmm. And most people will so by the time they are admitted to the program, most people have an idea. Like it may just be a little fledgling idea, but it's like okay, right. but I just had this like you know, think mm-hmm. about this or whatever. Yeah. And then we help them flesh it out from there. And then other people come in. Actually, a number of people come in with like part of the draft written, um, sometimes even a full draft written, um, which is great. So then we just start helping them with revision. I mean, we can kind of pick we we just pick up wherever somebody is.
0: OK. OK. Yeah. And is it like group classes? Like, do you teach classes or is it like what is the sort of structure? What, what do, would somebody expect when they're applying for it of like how it's going to help them? either take the idea forward or maybe they're like need to finish the
1: novel or or yeah it's really customized so it's a year it's a 12-month program everyone's in it for one year so I kind of talk about it like a candy store like you come in and you kind of pick what you want I mean I I do teach a live writing class every week um I have a fellow teacher, Rufi Thorpe. She's also a novelist, but she teaches a revision class every week. So, yeah. and people are invited to come to both of those, but I encourage them to come to like the one that they're currently doing so that they're not clouding their brain with irrelevant things. Cause they can, they get those recordings. They can watch all that later, for you sure. know? Um, but then they can submit, we have a couple of editors. They can submit to editors wow. for critique their work as they go. They can schedule one-on-one meetings with us or with a couple of other team members that we have to talk about specific things like troubleshoot a plot point, um, stuff like that. Um, when they have a full draft, they can have the editor read the entire, their entire draft and give them notes. So like, it's very much like, you take what you need when you need it. And yeah, but then, it's like
0: turning a light on in a very dark world of writing
1: <laughs> because otherwise yeah, you're very really right? alone. Like, am I it's doing this right? Exactly. I don't know. And that's why I started it because I had felt like that. Like I was like hobbling yeah. it all together for years. And then because I went, I went the traditional publishing route when I first came up with the Book Incubator, I included resources for teaching people how to do all that, how to query a literary okay. agent, how to find a literary agent to query how to read between the lines of their responses, what Mm -hmm. to do when you get one, all of that stuff. And increasingly we've added other support for alternate publishing paths because I just feel like things are really moving actually in that direction. And like, you know, like I said, before I had that even existed.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So so you don't have to be a a traditionally seeking writer, I guess. Okay.
1: No, definitely not. Yeah,
0: yeah, I mean, things that our art world is always changing. Uh, who knows what's coming down the line? <laughs> right. We'll we'll learn all. Like
1: whoever. And you ch- want, ch- Just you want ch- our books
0: out, right? So.
1: <laughs> and you, so how did you know you wanted to go indie when you started? I got 50 to 60 rejections, <laughs> but to be fair,
0: um, you know, I just didn't know what I was doing honestly, you know, yeah. like it's one of those things, like I kept sending them out. I also lived in France. so I would like, I had to come home, buy the envelopes and the postage, you know, cause you ha- used to have to put the postage back in so that they could send oh. you the letter. Yes. So it had to be the international it was
1: snail mail, it was snail
0: mail. And then it's sort of like into email a little bit. Like some of them started, this was like 2010, I guess. They started yeah. receiving some emails and then I got a Kindle because I lived in Europe in 2011 because I wanted to read English. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is pretty cool. You know, although a lot of it was, you know, traditionally published people putting their ebooks on. Um, yeah. But I think at one point I was just like, I, Just can't handle any more rejection.
1: (laughs) Yes, I (laughs) get it.
0: It could have easily gone anywhere had I gotten someone that was, you know, there was no like Twitter pitching or anything like that. Or maybe there was, and I didn't know.
1: So, doubt it. Yeah. Who knows what you know? Well, it's like feeling around in the dark. Yeah. And I was in the same boat. It just was like, I guess this is what you do. And then you just keep doing it until. And
0: then if they say yes or whatever Something happens.
1: Yeah. 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 So my six years ended with
0: me being screw it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Basically, you know, it's really funny too. Cause I, sometimes writers will ask me if they are going the traditional route, they'll ask like, how do you choose between agents, literary agents who are giving you offers? And I'll be like, oh, I've never so met nice. anyone who has faced that choice. <laughs>
0: I think ever it's a nice (laughs) dream though that I I mean I I went through the author accelerator program to for the fiction and I had you know you have to put together things for for clients and I was like um yeah I've never seen anyone get like two acceptance at once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Probably yeah. better that way. So, but if you do, I mean, that's great. I guess you do. If post- you do,
1: amazing. Post- <laughs> I'm sure it's happened to someone. Someone out there has had it happen.
0: If, if it's happened to you, come on my podcast. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you did.
0: So, um, With the book incubator, so you can be whatever, like seeking whatever publishing goals. What about um, writing goals? Like, do you only work with fiction? Do you only
1: work with a certain genre of fiction? How does that work? We work with all genres of fiction. Um, But we do, we have had a few memoirists come in, but, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I've been happy to support them, but as best I can, but like, I'm trying to move away from that just because it really is tailored toward fiction. Like our lessons are really so I, I end up feeling a little bad because I'm like trying to explain to them how to apply it to memoir. Mm. And I'm like, I hope this works. Anyway, so like we have had a couple that are like coming in, um, but we're really focused primarily on fiction, all genres. So um, we have, we recently took a survey and we have like kind of people just to kind of truly scattered across genres. I think literary fiction is our biggest genre. Um, which surprised me a little bit women's fiction is also really big and then YA is pretty big too yeah and by big I mean like 15 writers like these are like it's a pretty small group (laughs) that's all right do
0: do do yours um are they categorized as women's fiction or literary fiction or like a cross between them
1: mine are categorized as contemporary fiction and then I think they've been categorized as women's fiction too just because I'm a woman (laughs) You know, it's just genre, purely so marketing. Weird.
0: They're I so know. weird. It, it like I envy the people who write thriller, mystery, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, where's my book? I really don't want to go literary because I want people to actually read it and not be right. <laughs> and I don't exactly. think I'm, you know, I'm not that good with with like turn of phrase, but yeah, yeah. It's, I have a contemporary, when people ask me, I was at a conference in London, they're like, what do you guys like contemporary? That sounds so boring. Like, what does that even mean? It means
1: it's, I a know. Model. Same. and I always say that because it feels the most accurate, but you can tell people like, they kind of look at you like, what? Yeah. So like, it's I'm sorry, right now, i sorry. But like, not what helpful. is it about?
0: I don't know you know, like, okay, give me two seconds and I'll tell you what it's about. So, right. all right. So, but you, you guys are working with, I mean, I think it's really cool. I talk on, even on the podcast a lot with about brainstorming. So it sounds like you get to even like come in and brainstorm something because otherwise yeah. you're with your computer and you're like, I think this works. I don't know. And I don't know how many times it's like one in the morning. And I'm like, oh, that totally doesn't work. <laughs> Yes. After the scene is written, so I think that's really cool that they people can
1: like interact. It's not just like go home and write it
0: exactly.
1: Because I feel like we end up having as writers a fair amount of interaction after we already have write right because you can like share and then get feedback. But yeah, I feel like the interaction can be the most helpful when you're just talking like before you even have written a word. Just like let me bounce some ideas so they're not just in my own brain. Right, and
0: other people can ask questions of like, well, why would they be married in the first place? Why would she be
1: in jail? Why would she accept? Yes, that? like,
0: huh?
1: Yes, <laughs> but, this conversation is make me want to do even more of that myself because I just think <laughs> it's so helpful. It is. It is very helpful. So, and I'm like, like, just encouraging people
0: to find that. I don't know wherever, but this sounds pretty cool with the book incubator. And like, do people? mostly interact with you and those who work with you or do you guys have like a Facebook group or like where the writers interact together or is it mostly just writer with the professional
1: they all interact together but we're on mighty networks I don't know if you know what that is it's like oh yeah it's not Facebook it's but it's kind of like that like there's a forum a little more personal right yeah or like yeah and it's separate private exactly it's private
0: that's nice. I kind of, I'm on two of those, but I kind of forget about it when I'm talking to other people. So very that's the cool.
1: downside. It's not like somewhere people are already going, like Facebook, that I feel like that's the downside. They have to remember to go there, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah, but still, once you remember,
0: I do think they came out with an app, didn't they? They do. They
1: have yeah. an app. Yeah. So that's helpful. Exactly. All right.
0: Very cool. So people, um, we're going to have the links in the show notes. Where do they go to look at the, the book incubator um and to apply
1: if they want to start with you? They can just go to the bookincubator.com. Okay. Um, and yeah, and they can apply there. And if they want to just kind of like see a little bit of my teaching and stuff first, I also have a YouTube channel now. Okay. Uh, cool. They could just search my name there and it should pop up. It's Mary Atkins with a D A D. D K I N S. Um, cool. and I, I like do some teaching on my YouTube channel too.
0: Awesome. Very cool. So we will have the links in the show notes for the book incubator.com. And then you guys can find out more about Mary at Mary And then I'll have the link in the show notes to YouTube, um, especially for everyone listening and that doesn't have a pen right now. So <laughs> but thank you so much, Mary, for coming on and talking to us about the book incubator and your novels. Thanks, Kat. It was so fun. Hey, you're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group.